July Part One of the Diary of Samuel Pepys, sixteen sixty-three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. The Diary of Samuel Pepys, sixteen sixty-three, by Samuel Pepys. July sixteen sixty-three, Part One. July first. This morning it rained so hard, though it was fair yesterday and we thereupon in hopes of having some fair weather which we have wanted these three months that awakened creed who lay with me last night and me and so we up and fell to discourse of the business of his accounts now under dispute in which i have taken much trouble upon myself and raised a distance between sir g carteret and myself which troubles me but i hope we have this morning light on an expedient that will write all that will answer their queries and yet save creed the five hundred pounds which he did propose to make of the exchange abroad of the pieces of eight which he dispersed. Being ready, he and I by water to Whitehall, where I left him before we came into the court, for fear I should be seen by Sir G. Carteret with him, which of late I have been forced to avoid to remove suspicion. I to St. James's, and there discoursed a while with Mr. Coventry, between whom and myself there is very good understanding and friendship, and so to Westminster Hall, and being in the Parliament lobby, I there saw my Lord of Bristol come to the Commons' house to give his answer to their question, about some words he should tell the King that was spoke by Sir Richard Temple, a member of their house. A chair was set at the bar of the house for him, which he used but little, but made an harangue of half an hour bareheaded, the house covered. His speech being done, he came out and withdrew into a little room till the house had concluded of an answer to his speech, which they staying long upon, I went away. And by and by out comes Sir W. Batten, and he told me that his lordship had made a long and a comedian-like speech, and delivered with such action as was not becoming his lordship. He confesses he did tell the king such a thing of Sir Richard Temple, but that, upon his honour, they were not spoke by Sir Richard, he having taken a liberty of enlarging to the king upon the discourse which had been between Sir Richard and himself lately, and so took upon himself the whole blame and desired their pardon, it being not to do any wrong to their fellow-member, but out of zeal to the king. He told them, among many other things, that as to his religion he was a Roman Catholic, but such a one as thought no man to have right to the crown of England, but the prince that hath it, and such a one as, if the king should desire his counsel as to his own, he would not advise him to another religion than the old true reformed religion of this country, it being the properest of this kingdom as it now stands, and concluded with a submission to what the house shall do with him, saying, that whatever they shall do, says he, thanks be to God, this head, this heart, and this sword, pointing to them all, will find me a being in any place in Europe. The house hath hereupon voted clearly Sir Richard Temple to be free from the imputation of saying those words. But when Sir William Batten came out, had not concluded what to say to my lord, it being argued that to own any satisfaction as to my lord from his speech, would be to lay some fault upon the king for the message he should upon no better account send to the impeaching of one of their members. Walking out, I hear that the House of Lords are offended that my Lord Digby should come to this house, and make a speech there without leave first asked of the House of Lords. I hear also of another difficulty now upon him, that my Lord of Sunderland, whom I do not know, was so near to the marriage of his daughter as that the wedding clothes were made, and portion and everything agreed on and ready, and the other day he goes away, nobody yet knows whither, sending her the next morning a release of his right or claim to her, and advice to his friends not to inquire into the reason of his doing, for he hath enough for it, but that he gives them liberty to say and think what they will of him, so they do not demand the reason of his leaving her, being resolved never to have her, but the reason desires and resolves not to give. Thence by water with Sir W. Batten to Trinity House, there to dine with him, which we did, and after dinner we fell talking, Sir J. Minnes, Mr. Batten and I, Mr. Batten telling us of a late trial of Sir Charles Sidley the other day, before my Lord Chief Justice Foster and the whole bench, for his debauchery a little while since at Oxford Cates. Coming in open day into the balcony, and showed his nakedness, and abusing of scripture, and as it were from thence preaching a mountebank sermon from the pulpit, saying that there he had to sell such a powder should make all the women in town run after him, one thousand people standing underneath to see and hear him, and that being done he took a glass of wine, and then drank it off, and then took another and drank the king's health. It seems my lord and the rest of the judges did all of them round give him a most high reproof, my lord chief justice saying that it was for him, and such wicked wretches as he was, that God's anger and judgments hung over us, calling him Sirrah many times. 
It said they have bound him to his good behaviour, there being no law against him for it, in five thousand pounds. It being told that my lord Buckhurst was there, my lord asked whether it was that Buckhurst that was lately tried for robbery, and when answered yes, he asked whether he had so soon forgot his deliverance at that time, and that it would have more become him to have been at his prayers begging God's forgiveness than now running into such courses again. Thence home, and my clerks being gone by my leave to see the East India ships that are lately come home, I stayed all alone within my office all the afternoon. This day I hear at dinner that Don John of Austria, since his flight out of Portugal, is dead of his wounds. So there is a great man gone, and a great dispute like to be ended for the crown of Spain, if the king should have died before him. I received this morning a letter from my wife brought by John Gower to town, wherein I find a sad falling out between my wife and my father and sister and Ashwell, upon my writing to my father to advise Paul not to keep Ashwell from her mistress, or making any difference between them. Which Paul, turning to Ashwell, and she speaking some words that her mistress heard, caused great difference among them. All which I am sorry from my heart to hear of, and I fear will breed ill blood not to be laid again. So that I fear my wife and I may have some falling out about it, or at least my father and I, but I shall endeavour to salve up all as well as I can, or send for her out of the country before the time intended, which I would be loath to do. In the evening by water to my cousin Roger Pepys's chamber, where he was not come, but I found Dr. John newly come to town, and is well again after his sickness. But, Lord, what a simple man he is, as to any public matter of state, and talks so sillily to his brother Dr. Tom. What the matter is I know not, but he has taken, as my father told me a good while since, such displeasure that he hardly would touch his hat to me, and I as little to him. By and by comes Roger, and he told us the whole passage of my Lord Digby to-day, much as I have said here above, only that he did say that he would draw his sword against the Pope himself, if he should offer anything against his majesty, and the good of these nations, and that he never was the man that did either look for a cardinal's cap for himself, or anybody else, meaning Abbot Montague, and the house upon the whole did vote Sir Richard Temple innocent, and that my Lord Digby hath cleared the honour of his majesty, and Sir Richard Temple's, and given perfect satisfaction of his own respects to the house. Thence to my brother's, and being vexed with his not minding my father's business here in getting his landscape done, I went away in an anger and walked home, and so up to my lute, and then to bed. Second. Up betimes to my office, and there all the morning doing business. At noon to the change, and there met with several people, among others Captain Cox, and with him to a coffee-house, and drank with him and some other merchants. Good discourse thence home and to dinner and after a little alone at my vial to the office where we sat all the afternoon and so rose at the evening and then home to supper and to bed after a little music my mind troubled me with the thoughts of the difference between my wife and my father in the country walking in the garden this evening with sir g carteret and sir j minnes sir g carteret told us with great contempt how like a stage player my lord digby spoke yesterday pointing to his head as my lord did and saying first for his head says sir g carteret i know what a calf's head would have done better by half for his heart and his sword i have nothing to say to them he told us that for certain his head cost the late king his for it was he that broke off the treaty at uxbridge he told us also how great a man he was raised from a private gentleman in france by monsieur grandmont and afterwards by the cardinal who raised him to be a lieutenant-general and then higher and entrusted by the cardinal when he was banished out of France with great matters, and recommended by him to the Queen as a man to be trusted and ruled by. Yet when he came to have some power over the Queen, he begun to dissuade her from her opinion of the Cardinal, which she said nothing to till the Cardinal was returned, and then she told him of it. Who told my Lord Digby, Eh bien, monsieur, vous êtes un faux bon ami, donc, but presently put him out of all, and then he was, from a certainty of coming, in two or three years' time, to be Marshal of France, to which all strangers, even Protestants, and those as often as French themselves, are capable of coming, though it be one of the greatest places in France, he was driven to go out of France into Flanders, but there was not trusted nor received any kindness from the Prince of Condé, as one to whom also he had been false, as he had been to the Cardinal and Grandmont. In fine, he told us how he is a man of excellent parts, but of no great faith nor judgment, and one very easy to get up to great height of preferment, but never able to hold it. So home and to my music, and then comes Mr. Creed to me, giving me an account of his accounts, 
how he has now settled them fit for perusal the most strict, at which I am glad. So he and I to bed together. Third. Up, and he home, and I with Sir J. Minnes and Sir W. Batten by coach to Westminster, to St. James's, thinking to meet Sir G. Carteret, and to attend the Duke. But he not coming, we broke up, and so to Westminster Hall, and there meeting with Mr. Moore, he tells me great news, that my Lady Castlemaine is fallen from court, and this morning retired. He gives me no account of the reason for it, but that it is so, for which I am sorry. And yet if the King do it to leave off not only her, but all other mistresses, I should be heartily glad of it, that he may fall to look after business. I hear my Lord Digby is condemned at court for his speech, and that my Lord Chancellor grows great again. Thence with Mr. Creed, whom I called at his chamber over the water to Lambeth, but could not, it being morning, get to see the Archbishop's hearse. So he and I walked over the fields to Southwark, and there parted, and I spent half an hour in Mary Overy's church, where I find monuments of great antiquity, I believe, and has been a fine church. Thence to the change, and meeting Sir J. Minister, there, he and I walked to look upon Backwell's design of making another alley from his shop through over against the exchange door which will be very noble, and quite put down the other two. So home to dinner, and then to the office, and entered in my manuscript book the Vittler's contract, and then over the water, and walked to see Sir W. Penn, and sat with him a while, and so home late, and to my vial. So up comes Creed again to me, and stays all night, to-morrow morning being a hearing before the Duke. So to bed, full of discourse of his business. Fourth. Up by four o'clock, and sent him to get matters ready and I to my office, looking over papers and mending my manuscript, by scraping out the blots and other things, which is now a very fine book. So to St. James's by water, with Sir J. Minnes and Sir W. Batten, I giving occasion to a wager about the tide, that it did flow through bridge, by which Sir W. Batten won five shillings of Sir J. Minnes. At St. James's we stayed while the Duke made himself ready. Among other things, Sir Alan Apsley showed the Duke the Lisbon Gazette in Spanish, where the late victory is set down particularly, and to the great honour of the English beyond measure. They have since taken back Evora, which was lost to the Spaniards, the English making the assault, and lost not more than three men. Here I learnt that the English foot are highly esteemed all over the world, but the horse not so much, which yet we count among ourselves the best, but they abroad have had no great knowledge of our horse, it seems. The Duke being ready, we retired with him, and there fell upon Mr. Creed's business, where the treasurer did, like a mad coxcomb, without reason or method, run over a great many things against the account, and so did Sir J. Minnes and Sir W. Batten, which the Duke himself and Mr. Coventry and my Lord Barclay and myself did remove, and Creed being called in did answer all with great method and excellently to the purpose. Myself, I am a little conscious, did not speak so well as I purposed, and do think I used to do, that is, not so intelligibly and persuasively, as I well hoped I should." Not that what I said was not well taken, and did carry the business with what was urged and answered by Creed and Mr. Coventry, till the Duke himself did declare that he was satisfied, and my Lord Barclay offered to lay a hundred pounds that the King would receive no wrong in the account. And the two last nights held their tongues, or at least by not understanding it, did say what made for Mr. Creed. And so Sir G. Carteret was left alone, but yet persisted to say that the account was not good, but full of corruption and foul dealing and so we broke up to his shame. But I do fear to the loss of his friendship to me a good while, which I am heartily troubled for. Thence with Creed to the King's Head Ordinary, but coming late, dined at the second table very well for twelve pence. And a pretty gentleman in our company, who confirms my Lady Castlemaine's being gone from court, but knows not the reason. He told us of one wipe the Queen a little while ago did give her, when she came in and found the Queen under the dresser's hands, and had been so long. I wonder your majesty, says she, can have the patience to sit so long a-dressing. I have so much reason to use patience, says the queen, that I can very well bear with it. He thinks that it may be the queen hath commanded her to retire, though that is not likely. Thence with Creed to hire a coach to carry us to Hyde Park, to-day there being a general muster of the king's guards, horse and foot. But they demand so high that I, spying Mr. Cutler the merchant, did take notice of him, and he going into his coach, and telling me that he was going to shew a couple of Swedish strangers the muster, I asked and went along with him. Were a goodly sight to see so many fine horses and officers, and the king, duke, and others come by a horseback, and the two queens in the queen-mother's coach, my lady Castlemaine not being there. 
and after long being there i light and walk to the place where the king duke etc did stand to see the horse and foot march by and discharge their guns to show a french marquis for whom this muster was caused the goodness of our firemen which indeed was very good though not without a slip now and then and one broadside close to our coach we had going out of the park even to the nearness as to be ready to burn our hairs yet methought all these gay men are not the soldiers that must do the king's business it being such as these that lost the old king all he had and were beat by the most ordinary fellows that could be thence with much ado out of the park and i lighted and threw st james's down the water-side over to lambeth to see the archbishop's corpse who is to be carried away to oxford on monday but came too late and so walked over the fields and bridge home calling by the way at old george's but find that he is dead and there wrote several letters and so home to supper and to bed this day in the duke's chamber there being a roman story in the hangings and upon the standards written these four letters s p q r sir g carteret came to me to know what the meaning of those four letters were which ignorance is not to be borne in a privy councillor methinks that a schoolboy should be whipped for not knowing fifth lord's day lady batten had sent twice to invite me to go with them to walthamstow to-day mrs martha being married already this morning to mr castle at this parish church i could not rise soon enough to go with them but got myself ready and so to games's where i got a horse and rode thither very pleasantly only coming to make water i found a stopping which makes me fearful of my old pain being come thither i was well received and had two pair of gloves as the rest and walked up and down with my lady in the garden she mighty kind to me and i have the way to please her a good dinner and merry but methinks none of the kindness nor bridal respect between the bridegroom and bride that was between my wife and i but as persons that marry purely for convenience after dinner to church by coach and there my lady mrs turner mrs lemon and i only we in spite to one another kept one another awake and sometimes i read in my book of latin plays which i took in my pocket thinking to have walked it an old doting parson preached so home again and by and by up and homewards calling in our way sir j minnes and i only at mr batten's who with his lady and child went in another coach by us which is a very pretty house and himself in all things within and without very ingenious and i find a very fine study and good books so set out sir j minnes and i in his coach together talking all the way of chemistry wherein he do know something at least seems so to me that cannot correct him mr batten's man riding my horse and so home and to my office a while to read my vows then home to prayers and to bed sixth up pretty early and to my office all the morning writing out a list of the king's ships in my navy collections with great pleasure at noon creed comes to me who tells me how well he has sped with sir g carteret after all our trouble that he had his tallies up and all the kind words possible from him which i believe is out of an apprehension what a fool he has made of himself hitherto in making so great a stop therein but i find and so my lord sandwich may that sir g carteret had a design to do him a disgrace if he could possibly otherwise he would never have carried the business so far after that manner but would first have consulted my lord and given him advice what to do therein for his own honour which he thought endangered creed dined with me and then walked a while and so away and i to my office at my morning's work till dark night and so with good content home to supper a little music and then to bed seventh up by four o'clock and to my office and there continued all the morning upon my navy book to my great content at noon down by barge with sir j minnes who is going to chatham to woolwich in our way eating of some venison pasty in the barge i having neither eat nor drank to-day which fills me full of wind here also mr pett's garden i eat some and the first cherries i have eat this year off the tree where the king himself had been gathering some this morning thence walked alone only part of the way dean walked with me complaining of many abuses in the yard to greenwich and so by water to deptford where i found mr coventry and with him up and down all the stores to the great trouble of the officers and by his help i am resolved to fall hard to work again as i used to do so thence he and i by water talking of many things and i see he puts his trust most upon me in the navy and talks as there is reason slightly of the two old knights and i should be glad by any drudgery to see the king's stores and service looked to as they ought but i fear i shall never understand half the miscarriages and tricks that the king suffers by he tells me what mr pett did to-day that my lord bristol told the king that he will impeach the chancellor of high treason but i find that my lord bristol hath undone himself already in everybody's opinion 
and now he endeavours to raise dust to put out other men's eyes as well as his own. But I hope it will not take, in consideration merely that it is hard for a prince to spare an experienced old officer, be he never so corrupt, though I hope this man is not so, as some report him to be. He tells me that Don John is yet alive and not killed, as was said, in the great victory against the Spaniards in Portugal of late. So home and late at my office. Thence home and to my music. This night Mr. Turner's house being to be emptied out of my cellar, and therefore I think to sit up a little longer than ordinary. This afternoon, coming from the waterside with Mr. Coventry, I spied my boy upon Tower Hill playing with the rest of the boys. So I sent W. Griffin to take him, and he did bring him to me, and so I said nothing to him, but caused him to be stripped, for he was run away with his best suit, and so putting on his other, I sent him going, without saying one word hard to him, though I am troubled for the rogue, though he do not deserve it. Being come home, I find my stomach not well for want of eating to-day my dinner as I should do, and so am become full of wind. I call late for some victuals, and so to bed, leaving the men below in the cellar, emptying the vats up through Mr. Turner's own house, and so with more content to bed late. Eighth. Being weary, and going to bed late last night, I slept till seven o'clock, it raining mighty hard, and so did every minute of the day after, sadly. But I know not what will become of the corn this year, we having had but two fair days these many months. Up into my office, where all the morning busy, and then at noon home to dinner alone, upon a good dish of eels, given me by Mitchell, the bupers man, and then to my vial a little, and then down into the cellar, and up and down with Mr. Turner, to see where his vault may be made bigger, or another made him, which I think may well be. And so to my office, where very busy all day setting things in order my contract books, and preparing things against the next sitting. In the evening I received letters out of the country, among others from my wife, whom he thinks writes so coldly that I am much troubled at it, and I fear shall have much ado to bring her to her old good temper. So home to supper and music, which is all the pleasure I have of late given myself, always fit I should, others spending too much time and money. Going in I stepped to Sir W. Batten, and there stayed and talked with him, my lady being in the country, and sent for some lobsters, and Mrs. Turner came in, and did bring us an humble pie, hot out of her oven, extraordinary good, and after it some spirits of her making, in which she has great judgment, very good, and so home, merry with this night's refreshment. Ninth. Up making water this morning, which I do every morning as soon as I am awake, with greater plenty and freedom than I used to do, which I think I may impute to last night's drinking of elder spirits. Abroad it raining to Blackfriars, and there went into a little alehouse, and stayed while I sent to the wardrobe, but Mr. Moore was gone out. Here I kissed three or four times the maid of the house, who is a pretty girl, but very modest, and God forgive me, had a mind to something more. Thence to my lawyer's, up and down to the six clerk's office, where I found my bill against Tom Trice dismissed, which troubles me, it being through my neglect, and will put me to charges. So to Mr. Phillips, and discourse with him about finding me out somebody that will let me have for money an annuity of about one hundred pounds per annum for two lives. So home, and there put up my riding things against the evening, in case Mr. Moore should continue his mind to go to Oxford, which I have little mind to do, the weather continuing so bad, and the waters high. Dined at home, and Mr. Moore in the afternoon comes to me and concluded not to go. Sir W. Batten and I sat a little this afternoon at the office, and thence I by water to Deptford, and there mustered the yard, purposely, God forgive me, to find out Bagwell, a carpenter, whose wife is a pretty woman, that I might have some occasion of knowing him, and forcing her to come to the office again, which I did so luckily that going thence he and his wife did of themselves meet me in the way to thank me for my old kindness, but I spoke little to her, but shall give occasion for her coming to me. Her husband went along with me to show me Sir W. Penn's lodging, which I knew before, but only to have a time of speaking to him and sounding him. So left, and I went in to Sir W. Penn, who continues ill, and worse, I think, than before. He tells me my Lady Castlemaine was at court, for all this talk this week, which I am glad to hear, but it seems the King is stranger than ordinary to her. Thence walked home, as I used to do, and to bed presently, having taken great cold in my feet by walking in the dirt this day in thin shoes, or some other way, so that I began to be in pain, and with warm clothes made myself better by morning, but yet in pain. 10th. Up late, and by water to Westminster Hall, where I met Pierce, the surgeon, who tells me that for certain the king is grown colder to my Lady Castlemaine than ordinary, and that he believes he begins to love the queen, and do make much of her, more than he used to do, 
up to the lobby and there sent out for mr coventry and sir w batten and told them if they thought convenient i would go to chatham to-day sir john minnes being already there at a pay and i would do such and such business there which they thought well of and so i went home and prepared myself to go after dinner with sir w batten sir w batten and mr coventry tell me that my lord bristol hath this day impeached my lord chancellor in the house of lords of high treason the chief of the articles are these first that he should be the occasion of the peace made with holland lately upon such disadvantageous terms and that he was bribed to it second that dunkirk was also sold by his advice chiefly so much to the damage of england third that he had six thousand pounds given him for the drawing up or promoting of the irish declaration lately concerning the division of the lands there fourth he did carry on the design of the portugal match so much to the prejudice of the crown of england notwithstanding that he knew the queen is not capable of bearing children fifth that the duke's marrying of his daughter was a practice of his thereby to raise his family and that it was done by indirect courses sixth that the breaking off of the match with palmer in which he was employed at the very time when the match with portugal was made up here which he took as a great slur to him and so it was and that indeed is the chief occasion of all this feud seventh that he hath endeavoured to bring in popery and wrote to the pope for a cap for a subject of the king of england's my lord aubigny and some say that he lays it to the chancellor that a good protestant secretary sir edward nicholas was laid aside and a papist sir h bennet put in his room which is very strange when the last of these two is his own creature and such an enemy accounted to the chancellor that they never did nor do agree and all the world did judge the chancellor to be falling from the time that sir h bennet was brought in besides my lord bristol being a catholic himself all this is very strange these are the main of the articles upon which my lord chancellor desired that the noble lord that brought in these articles would sign to them with his hand which my lord bristol did presently then the house did order that the judges should against monday next bring in their opinion whether these articles are treason or no and next they would know whether they were brought in regularly or no without leave of the lord's house after dinner i took boat h russell and down to gravesend in good time and thence with a guide post to chatham where i found sir j minnes and mr waith walking in the garden whom i told all this day's news which i left the town full of and it is great news and will certainly be in the consequence of it by and by to supper and after long discourse sir j minnes and i he saw me to my chamber which not pleasing me i sent word so to mrs bradford that i should be crowded into such a hole while the clerks and boarders of her own take up the best rooms however i lay there and slept well eleventh up early and to the dock and with the storekeeper and other officers all the morning from one office to another at noon to the hill house in commissioner pett's coach and after seeing the guardships to dinner and after dining done to the dock by coach it raining hard to see the prince launched which hath lain in the dock in repairing these three years i went into her and was launched in her thence by boat ashore it raining and i went to mr barrow's where sir j minnes and commissioner pett we stayed long eating sweetmeats and drinking and looking over some antiquities of mr barrow's among others an old manuscript almanac that i believe was made for some monastery in parchment which i could spend much time upon to understand here was a pretty young lady a niece of barrow's which i took much pleasure to look on thence by barge to st mary creek where commissioner pett doubtful of the growing greatness of portsmouth by the finding of those creeks there do design a wet dock at no great charge and yet no little one he thinks towards ten thousand pounds and the place indeed is likely to be a very fit place when the king hath money to do it with thence it raining as hard as it could pour down home to the hill-house and anon to supper and after supper sir j minnes and i had great discourse with captain cox and mr hempson about business of the yard and particularly of purser's accounts with hempson who is a cunning knave in that point so late to bed and mr waith being gone i lay above in the treasurer's bed and slept well about one or two in the morning the curtains of my bed being drawn waked me and i saw a man stand there by the inside of my bed calling me french dog twenty times one after another and i starting as if i would get out of the bed he fell a-laughing as hard as he could drive still calling me french dog and laid his hand on my shoulder at last whether i said anything or no i cannot tell but i perceived the man after he had looked wistly upon me and found that i did not answer him to the names that he called me by which was salmon sir carteret's clerk and robert maddock's another of the clerks he put off his hat on a sudden and forbore laughing and asked who i was saying are you mr pepys i told him yes 
and now being come a little better to myself, I found him to be Tom Wilson, Sir W. Batten's clerk, and fearing he might be in some melancholy fit, I was at a loss what to do or say. At last I asked him what he meant. He desired my pardon for that he was mistaken, for he thought verily, not knowing of my coming to lie there, that it had been Salmon, the Frenchman, with whom he intended to have made some sport. So I made nothing of it, but bade him good-night, and I, after a little pause, to sleep again, being well pleased that it ended no worse, and being a little the better pleased with it, because it was the surveyor's clerk, which will make sport when I come to tell Sir W. Batten of it, it being a report that old Edgeborough, the former surveyor who died here, do now and then walk. Twelfth, Lord's Day. Up, and meeting Tom Wilson, he asked my pardon again, which I easily did give him, telling him only that it was well I was not a woman with child, for it might have made me miscarry. With Sir J. Minnes to church, where an indifferent good sermon. Here I saw Mrs. Becky Allen, who hath been married, and is this day churched, after her bearing a child. She is grown tall, but looks very white and thin, and I can find no occasion while I am here to come to have her company, which I desire and expected in my coming. But only coming out of the church, I kissed her and her sister and mother-in-law. So to dinner, Sir J. Minnes, Commissioner Pett, and I, etc., and after dinner walked in the garden, it being a very fine day, the best we have had this great while, if not this whole summer. To church again, and after that walked through the rope-ground to the dock, and there, over and over the dock and grounds about it, and storehouses, etc., with the officers of the yard, and then to Commissioner Pett's, and had a good syllabub, and other good things, and merry. Commissioner Pett showed me alone his bodies as a secret, which I found afterwards by discourse with Sir J. Minnes that he had shown them him, wherein he seems to suppose great mystery in the nature of lines to be hid, but I do not understand it at all. Thence walked to the hill-house, being myself much dissatisfied, and more than I thought I should have been with Commissioner Pett, being, by what I saw since I came hither, convinced that he is not able to exercise the command in the yard over the officers that he ought to do, or somebody else, if ever the service be well looked after there. Sat up, and with Sir J. Minnes talking, and he speaking his mind in slighting of the Commissioner, for which I wish there was not so much reason, for I do see he is but a man of words, though indeed he is the ablest man that we have to do service, if he would or durst. Sir J. Minnes being gone to bed, I took Mr. Whitfield, one of the clerks, and walked to the dock about eleven at night, and there got a boat and a crew, and rowed down to the guardships, it being a most pleasant moonshine evening that ever I saw, almost. The guardships were very ready to hail us, being no doubt commanded thereto by their captain, who remembers how I surprised them the last time I was here. However, I found him ashore, but the ship in pretty good order, and the arms well fixed, charged, and primed. Thence to the sovereign, where I found no officers aboard, no arms fixed, nor any powder to prime their few guns, which were charged, without bullet, though. So to the London, where neither officers nor anybody awake. I boarded her, and might have done what I would, and at last could find but three little boys, and so spent the whole night in visiting all the ships, in which I found, for the most part, neither an officer aboard, nor any men so much as awake which I was grieved to find, especially so soon after a great larum, as Commissioner Pett brought us word that he had provided against, and put all in a posture of defence but a week ago, all which I am resolved to represent to the Duke. Thirteenth. So, it being high day, I put into shore into bed for two hours just, and so up again, and with the storekeeper and clerk of the rope-yard up and down the dock and rope-house, and by and by mustered the yard and instructed the clerks of the cheque in my new way of call-book, and that and other things done, to the hill-house, and there we eat something, and so by barge to Rochester, and there took coach hired for our passage to London, and Mrs. Allen, the clerk of the rope-yard's wife with us, desiring her passage, and it being a most pleasant and warm day, we got by four o'clock home, in our way she telling us in what condition Becky Allen is married against all expectation, a fellow that proves to be a coxcomb, and worth little, if anything at all, and yet I entered into a way of living above their condition that will ruin them presently, for which, for the lady's sake, I am much troubled. Home I found all well there, and after dressing myself I walked to the temple, and there from my cousin Roger hear that the judges have this day brought in their answer to the lords, that the articles against my lord chancellor are not treason, and to-morrow they are to bring in their arguments to the house for the same. This day also the king did send by my lord chamberlain to the lords to tell them from him that the most of the articles against my lord chancellor he himself knows to be false. Thence by water to Whitehall, and so walked to St. James's, but missed Mr. Coventry. I met the Queen Mother walking in the Pall Mall, led by my Lord St. Albans, and finding many coaches at the gate, I found upon inquiry 
that the duchess is brought to bed of a boy and hearing that the king and queen are rowed abroad with the ladies of honour to the park and seeing a great crowd of gallants staying here to see their return i also stayed walking up and down and among others spying a man like mr pembleton though i have little reason to think it should be he speaking and discoursing long with my lord d'aubigny yet how my blood did rise in my face and i fell into a sweat from my old jealousy and hate which i pray god remove from me by and by the king and queen who looked in this dress a white lace waistcoat and a crimson short petticoat and her hair dressed si la negligence mighty pretty and the king rode hand in hand with her here was also my lady castlemaine rode among the rest of the ladies but the king took me thought no notice of her nor when they light did anybody press as she seemed to expect and stayed for it to take her down but was taken down by her own gentleman she looked mighty out of humour and had a yellow plume in her hat which all took notice of and yet is very handsome but very melancholy nor did anybody speak to her or she so much as smile or speak to anybody i followed them up into whitehall and into the queen's presence where all the ladies walked talking and fiddling with their hats and feathers and changing and trying one another's by one another's heads and laughing but it was the finest sight to me considering their great beauties and dress that ever i did see in all my life but above all mrs stuart in this dress with her hat cocked and a red plume with her sweet eye little roman nose and excellent tie is now the greatest beauty i ever saw i think in my life and if ever woman can do exceed my lady castlemaine at least in this dress nor do i wonder if the king changes which i verily believe is the reason of his coldness to my lady castlemaine here late with much ado i left to look upon them and went away and by water in a boat with other strange company there being no other to be had and out of him into a scala half to the bridge and so home and to sir w batten where i stayed telling him and sir j minnes and mrs turner with great mirth my being frighted at chatham by young edgeborough and so home to supper and to bed before i sleep fancying myself to sport with mrs stuart with great pleasure fourteenth up a little late last night recovering my sleepiness for the night before which was lost and so to my office to put papers and things to write and making up my journal from wednesday last to this day all the morning at my office doing of business at noon mr hunt came to me and he and i to the exchange and a coffee-house and drank there and thence to my house to dinner whither my uncle thomas came and he tells me that he is going down to wisbech there to try what he can recover of my uncle day's estate and seems to have good arguments for what he do go about in which i wish him good speed i made him almost foxed the poor man having but a bad head and not used i believe nowadays to drink much wine so after dinner they being gone i to my office and so home to bed this day i hear the judges according to order yesterday did bring into the lord's house their reasons of their judgment in the business between my lord bristol and the chancellor and the lords do concur with the judges that the articles are not treason nor regularly brought into the house and so voted that a committee should be chosen to examine them but nothing to be done therein till the next sitting of this parliament which is like to be adjourned in a day or two and in the meantime the two lords to remain without prejudice done to either of them fifteenth up and all the morning at the office among other things with cooper the purveyor whose dullness in his proceeding in his work i was vexed at and find that though he understands it may be as much as other men that profess skill in timber yet i perceive that many things they do by rote and very dully thence home to dinner whither captain grove came and dined with me he going into the country to-day among other discourse he told me of discourse very much to my honour both as to my care and ability happening at the duke of albemarle's table the other day both from the duke and the duchess themselves and how i paid so much a year to him whose place it was of right and that mr coventry did report thus of me which was greatly to my content knowing how against their minds i was brought into the navy thence by water to westminster and there spent a good deal of time walking in the hall which is going to be repaired and god forgive me had a mind to have got mrs lane abroad or fallen in with any woman else in that hot humour but it so happened she could not go out nor i meet with anybody else and so i walked homeward and in my way did many and great businesses of my own at the temple among my lawyers and others to my great content thanking god that i did not fall into any company to occasion spending time and money to supper and then to a little vial and to bed sporting in my fancy with the queen sixteenth up and dispatch things into the country and to my father's and two kegs of sturgeon and a dozen bottles of wine to cambridge for my cousin roger pepys which i give him 
by and by down by water on several deal ships and stood upon a stage in one place seeing colchus sheathing of a ship then at wapping to my carvers about my vile head so home and thence to my vile makers in bishopsgate street his name is wise who is a pretty fellow at it thence to the exchange and so home to dinner and then to my office where a full board and busy all the afternoon and among other things made a great contract with sir w warren for forty thousand deals swinsend at three pounds seventeen shillings nought pence per hundred in the morning before i went on the water i was at thames street about some pitch and there meeting antony joyce i took him and mr stacy the tar merchant to the tavern where stacy told me many old stories of my lady batten's former poor condition and how her former husband broke and how she came to her state at night after office done i went to sir w batten's where my lady and i had some high words about emptying our house of office where i did tell her my mind and at last agreed that it should be done through my office and so all well so home to bed seventeenth up and after doing some business at my office creed came to me and i took him to my vial makers and there i heard the famous mr stephkins play admirably well and yet i found it as it is always i over-expected i took him to the tavern and found him a temperate sober man at least he seemed so to me i commit the direction of my vial to him thence to the change and so home creed and i to dinner and after dinner sir w warren came to me and he and i in my closet about his last night's contract and from thence to discourse of measuring of timber wherein i made him see that i could understand the matter well and did both learn of and teach him something creed being gone through my staying talking to him so long i went alone by water down to redriff and so to sit and talk with sir w pen where i did speak very plainly concerning my thoughts of sir g carteret and sir j minnes so as it may cost me some trouble if he should tell them again but he said as much or more to me concerning them both which i may remember if ever it should come forth and nothing but what is true and my real opinion of them that they neither do understand to this day creed's accounts nor do deserve to be employed in their places without better care but that the king had better give them greater salaries to stand still and do nothing thence coming home i was saluted by bagwell and his wife the woman i have a kindness for and they would have me into their little house which i was willing enough to and did salute his wife they had got wine for me and i perceived lived prettily and i believe the woman a virtuous modest woman her husband walked through to redriff with me telling me things that i asked off in the yard and so by water home it being likely to rain again to-night which god forbid to supper and to bed eighteenth up into my office where all the morning and sir j minnes and i did a little and but a little business at the office so i eat a bit of victuals at home and so abroad to several places as my booksellers and then to thompson the instrument makers to bespeak a ruler for my pocket for timber etc which i believe he will do to my mind so to the temple wardrobe and lastly to westminster hall where i expected some bands made me by mrs lane and while she went to the starches for them i stayed at mrs howlett's who with her husband were abroad and only their daughter which i call my wife was in the shop and i took occasion to buy a pair of gloves to talk to her and i find her a pretty spoken girl and will prove a mighty handsome wench i could love her very well by and by mrs lane comes and my bands not being done she and i posted and met at the crown in the palace yard where we eat a chicken i sent for and drank and were mighty merry and i had my full liberty of towsing her and doing what i would but the last thing of all of which i am heartily ashamed but i do resolve never to do more so but lord to see what a mind she has to her husband and how she showed me her hands to tell her her fortune and everything that she asked ended always whom and when she was to marry and i pleased her so well saying as i know she would have me and then she would say that she had been with all the artists in town and they always told her the same things as that she should live long and rich and have a good husband but few children and a great fit of sickness and twenty other things which she says she has always been told by others here i stayed late before my bands were done and then they came and so i by water to the temple and thence walked home all in a sweat with my tumbling of her and walking and so a little supper and to bed fearful of having taken cold nineteenth lord's day lay very long in pleasant dreams till church time and so up and it being foul weather so that i cannot walk as i intended to meet my cousin roger at thomas pepys's house whither he rode last night to hatcham i went to church where a sober doctor made a good sermon so home to dinner alone and then to read a little and so to church again where the scot made an ordinary sermon and so home to my office and there read over my vows and increased them by a vow against all strong drink till november next of any sort or quantity 
by which I shall try how I can forbear it. God send it may not prejudice my health, and then I care not. Then I fell to read over a silly play writ by a person of honour, which is, I find, as much as to say, a coxcomb, called Love a la Mode, and that being ended, home, and played on my lute and sung psalms till bedtime, then to prayers, and to bed. Twentieth. Up into my office, and then walked to Woolwich, reading Bacon's Faber Fortunae, which the oftener I read, the more I admire. There found Captain Cock, and up and down to many places to look after matters, and so walked back again with him to his house, and there dined very finely. With much ado obtained an excuse from drinking of wine, and did only taste a drop of sack, which he had for his lady, who is, he fears, a little consumptive, and her beauty begins to want its colour. It was Malago's sack, which he says is certainly thirty years old, and I tasted a drop of it, and it was excellent wine, like a spirit rather than wine. Thence by water to the office, and taking some papers by water to Whitehall and St. James's. But there being no meeting with the Duke to-day, I returned by water and down to Greenwich, to look after some blocks that I saw a load carried off by a cart from Woolwich, the King's Yard. But I could not find them, and so returned, and being heartily weary, I made haste to bed, and being in bed, made Will read and construe three or four Latin verses in the Bible, and chide him for forgetting his grammar. So to sleep, and sleep ill all the night, being so weary, and feverish with it. 21st. And so lay long in the morning, till I heard people knock at my door, and I took it to be about eight o'clock, but afterwards found myself a little mistaken, and so I rose and ranted at Will and the maid, and saw I could find my heart to kick them downstairs, which the maid mumbled at mightily. It was my brother who stayed and talked with me, his chief business being about his going about to build his house new at the top, which will be a great charge for him, and above his judgment. By and by comes Mr. Dean of Woolwich with his draught of a ship, and the bend and main lines in the body of a ship very finely, and which do please me mightily, and so am resolved to study hard, and learn of him to understand a body, and I find him a very pretty fellow in it, and rational, but a little conceited, but that's no matter to me. At noon, by my Lady Batten's desire, I went over the water to Mr. Castle's, who brings his wife home to his own house to-day, where I found a great many good old women, and my Lady, Sir W. Batten, and Sir J. Minnes, a good, handsome, plain dinner, and then walked in the garden, which is pleasant enough, more than I expected there. And so Sir J. Minnes, Sir W. Batten, and I by water to the office, and there sat, and then I by water to the temple about my law business, and back again home and wrote letters to my father and wife, about my desire that they should observe the feast at Brampton, and have my lady and the family, and so home to supper and bed, my head aching all the day for my last night's bad rest, and yesterday's distempering myself with over-walking, and to-day knocking my head against a low door in Mr. Castle's house. This day the Parliament kept a fast for the present unseasonable weather. 22nd. Up, and by and by, comes my Uncle Thomas, to whom I paid ten pounds for his last half-year's annuity, and did get his and his son's hand and seal for the confirming to us Piggott's mortgage, which was forgot to be expressed in our late agreement with him, though intended, and therefore they might have cavilled at it if they would. Thence abroad, calling at several places upon some errands, among others to my brother Tom's barber, and had my hair cut, while his boy played on the violin, a plain boy, but has a very good genius, and understands the book very well, but to see what a shift he made for a string of red silk was very pleasant. Thence to my Lord Cruz, my lord not being come home, I met and stayed below with Captain Ferrers, who was come to wait upon my Lady Jemima to St. James's, she being one of the four ladies that hold up the mantle at the christening this afternoon of the Duke's child, a boy. In discourse of the ladies at court, Captain Ferrers tells me that my Lady Castlemaine is now as great again as ever she was, and that her going away was only a fit of her own, upon some slighting words of the King, so that she called for her coach at a quarter of an hour's warning and went to Richmond and the king the next morning, under pretence of going a-hunting, went to see her and make friends, and never was a-hunting at all. After which she came back to court, and commands the king as much as ever, and hath and doth what she will. No longer ago than last night there was a private entertainment made for the king and queen at the Duke of Buckingham's, and she was not invited, but being at my lady Suffolk's, her aunt's, where my lady Jemima and Lord Sandwich dined yesterday, she was heard to say, Well, much good may it do them, and for all that I will be as merry as they and so she went home and caused a great supper to be prepared. And after the king had been with the queen at Wallingford House, he came to my lady Castlemaine's, and was there all night, and my lord Sandwich with him, which was the reason my lord lay in town all night, which he has not done a great while before. He tells me he believes that, as soon as the king can get a husband for Mrs. Stuart, however, 
my lady castlemaine's nose will be out of joint for that she comes to be in great esteem and is more handsome than she i found by his words that my lord sandwich finds some pleasure in the country where he now is whether he means one of the daughters of the house or no i know not but hope the contrary that he thinks he is very well pleased with staying there but yet upon breaking up of the parliament which the king by message to-day says shall be on monday next he resolves to go ned pickering the coxcomb notwithstanding all his hopes of my lord's assistance wherein i am sorry to hear my lord has much concerned himself is defeated of the place he expected under the queen he came hither by and by and brought some jewels for my lady jem to put on with which and her other clothes she looks passing well i stayed and dined with my lord crew who whether he was not so well pleased with me as he used to be or that his head was full of business as i believe it was he hardly spoke one word to me all dinner-time we dining alone only young jack crew sir thomas's son with us after dinner i bade him farewell sir thomas i hear has gone this morning ill to bed so i had no mind to see him thence homewards and in the way first called at watton's the shoemaker's who tells me the reason of harris's going from sir william davenant's house that he grew very proud and demanded twenty pounds for himself extraordinary more than betterton or anybody else upon every new play and ten pounds upon every revive which with other things sir w davenant would not give him and so he swore he would never act there more in expectation of being received in the other house but the king will not suffer it upon sir w davenant's desire that he would not for then he might shut up house and that is true he tells me that his going is at present a great loss to the house and that he fears he hath a stipend from the other house privately he tells me that the fellow grew very proud of late the king and everybody else crying him up so high and that above betterton he being a more airy man as he is indeed but yet betterton he says they all say do act some parts that none but himself can do thence to my booksellers and found my wagoners done the very binding cost me fourteen shillings but they are well done and so with a porter home with them and so by water to ratcliffe and there went to speak with cumberford the plat-maker and there saw his manner of working which is very fine and laborious so down to deptford reading ben jonson's devil is an ass and so to see sir w pen who i find walking out of doors a little but could not stand long but indoors and i with him and stayed a great while talking i taking a liberty to tell him my thoughts in things of the office that when he comes abroad again he may know what to think of me and to value me as he ought walked home as i used to do and being weary and after some discourse with mr barrow who came to see and take his leave of me he being to-morrow to set out toward the isle of man i went to bed this day i hear that the moors have made some attacks upon the outworks of tangier but my lord tiviot with the loss of about two hundred men did beat them off and killed many of them to-morrow the king and queen for certain go down to tunbridge but the king comes back again against monday to raise the parliament end of july part one